How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me tonight is Frank Madden. And bringing you tonight's episode is SeatGeek. Our friends over at SeatGeek have a wonderful promo code L-O-N-B-A. Again, that is L-O-N-B-A for Locked on NBA. And you can use that to get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. So go out and do that today. And if you've already used it, just head over to SeatGeek anyways because they're going to have the best deals on tickets. And the Brewers are somehow still in a playoff right uh, So you can use it for Brewers. Uh, the Packers have a Thursday night game. You could use it on Packers tickets. Obviously, the Bucks tickets. Frank is keeping his alerts on for that uh, preseason game in Dallas next Monday. So you can, I mean, everything is coming together. It's all happening at the same time. So go out and use uh, SeatGeek to get tickets for that. Frank, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing fine. Uh, looking forward to a spirited uh, podcast because the first the first practice of every year has to be a spirited uh, practice. So, uh, in, Ooh, in honor, I don't know. Of, I don't know if Jason used spirited today to describe it afterwards. Yeah, I did. I didn't see it used. I was disappointed. Um, there was a lot of talk. It seemed about to be about the new practice facility. Oh yeah, uh, and that was kind of cool. It was interesting. John Henson and Malcolm Brogdon talking about how the the court has some sort of. And I don't know if they talked to you about this when you did that tour, but like some kind of like the the surface is like rebounds slightly so it's not as hard on your joints or something like that but i don't know all sorts of newfangled technology that all sounds very cool yeah there's a there's like a special layer underneath the court i know they showed us like a a cross section of what it yep. looks like so there's i don't even know what to it's probably like a half inch maybe or so um of just like a special i think it's Oh, I'm going to get this wrong. Maybe like recycled shoes or something of that nature. Um, that gives it a little bit more bounce. And again, I could be totally wrong on that. I need, would need to relook at my notes for what it all is about. But yeah, when when Henson kind of said it, I kind of like looked at him like, what? And then Malcolm talked to us after that. And Malcolm like confirmed it and said the exact same thing. And then I was like, okay, this must be a real thing. Because, you know, sometimes players just say stuff and... You always want that second uh, opinion, and that was what we got. So that was interesting. Um, I, I was not expecting to hear about a new floor being better for their knees, but it, it happened, um, and and we are off uh, on this NBA season. So uh, let's keep moving on media day. You cool with that? Let's do it. All right, so I was trying to debate whether we should do it in order order um and go through each player and each pairing and each group that came up to talk but then that means i would have to actually spend time on uh the six guys that are playing survivor in milwaukee and i don't really know that i want to do that so i'm just gonna go in things that i find important Giannis and chris came up together um those two talked quite a bit and i tweeted out some of their uh, responses and I guess it was just kind of interesting to hear those two guys talk about each other a little bit because I just remember thinking last year when Middleton came back I kept I kept kind of 
pressuring Giannis and trying to ask Giannis and push him on it a little bit. Like, what is the difference now that you guys are winning these games? Because obviously we remember the very strong march that they had. And I would keep pushing on that, and every time it would be, Chris, Chris, Chris. Chris Middleton's the difference. That's it. We got Chris back, and, and everything is great. And it, it was just – I guess to me it's just kind of cool to see these two guys – Chris mentioned that this is going to be their fifth year together starting this season. Like that over four years, these two guys have kind of grown together and how well their games work off of each other. Like defensively, they have similar strengths and that they're very good in space and then they can make some steals and make some other teams work pretty hard and close out shots well and just pressure people with length and make things difficult. And offensively, obviously there's that yin and yang, like, Chris is the guy that can shoot and space the floor. Giannis is the guy that can attack all the time. And it, it all just kind of works together. So uh, to me, that that was just kind of cool to hear. And nice nice to hear that both of them appreciate each other as much as they do. Because I do really think both of them help each other go. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I couldn't help but think back to, you know, the summer when we talked about, you know, what would it take for the Bucks to consider moving Chris Middleton? And obviously we talked about, you know, in the context of yeah. a Kyrie Irving trade and um, and other potential potential moves with Chris now having two years left on his deal effectively before he can opt out. Um, and, and it's interesting because, I mean, I think most of us view decisions like that largely through the lens. And obviously you look at it through the lens of, well, how do you build a championship contending team first? But, uh, but also through the lens of what would make Giannis happy? And... <laughs> You know, it's it's interesting. I mean, I mean, I don't think, I mean, I think Giannis's tendency is probably to like people. It's more his personality. But you know, I, I don't think he's just saying it to be you know polite, right? The stuff he says about Chris and the credit he gives to Chris, and obviously what they've been through having arrived at the same time. Um, Chris coming from from Detroit and Giannis being drafted in 2013. So, uh, so yeah, it is interesting. I mean, it is I think a layer that you have to consider if the Bucks ever did get to the point where they, you know, considering doing something with Chris other than keeping him, um, is not just how well they practically fit on the court, but also uh, you know the camaraderie they have, the, the understanding they have together, and and their ability to play off one another. And you know, I think maybe Chris and uh, Thon Maker are the two guys that. Giannis, I don't know. It seems like Giannis kind of spares the most in, in different ways, but seems to spare the most positive kind yep. of thoughts for. Um, and and that's obviously cool, right? Because you know we have seen on other teams, great or players or you know kind of important players maybe don't get along so well or don't necessarily feel the same level of compassion for one another, interest in one another. Um, and and obviously with Giannis uh, and and his teammates, that that is not the case, and that's obviously you know a good statement as well about about Giannis and and the type of person he is and the type of player he is, um, you know. And last season, obviously on the court, you know, Bucks with Giannis and Chris together, 645 minutes, 110.1 offensive rating, 104.9 defensive rating for a plus 5.2. So obviously, you know, um, I don't think that you know blows me away it doesn't surprise me at all I, I thought i would expect maybe they'd be even bigger better together um but again chris middleton at full strength this year hopefully they can be even more effective together than they were last year when they were pretty damn effective it's really funny that you mentioned uh just kind of the idea where when over the summer we're talking about how the bucks get to the next step how do they have enough talent all those questions and yeah the first the first question always is does this make the team better and I think when you're thinking about those things, it's, you're trying to be cold-hearted, you're trying to be calculated, you're trying to be dispassionate, you're, you're just trying to think about the best product possible. And then that second layer is always in there. How do you please Giannis? How do you keep Giannis happy? And as those two kind of went back and forth talking with each other and, and just sharing the stage together, I, I kind of had that same reaction where I was just like, oh, you idiot, Eric. You idiot. Like, there's no way you could trade Chris Milton. And again, that's very easy to get up, to get caught up in that moment as those two talk to each other, and they're very complimentary of each other. But in my mind, it was just, like, kind of that moment where you're thinking you had, like, okay, yeah, in that calculated move, you think, ah, maybe there's something the Bucks need more. But then as you think about how well they fit together and just uh, how – how they've grown together, uh, I just can't help but think like, oh, you're an idiot, Eric. There, there's just no way. 
there's no way that you can move Chris Middleton from this team and and please Giannis or find a better partner for him. There's certainly a need to add something more to those two, um, but splitting them up just in that moment was the same thing. It was just like, no, that would be stupid. See, this is the beauty of media day. You get to get to feel nice and, and warm about uh, about your team's <laughs> best players. Um, I don't know. Any other thing that, that kind of stood out about that? The only thing I would add was uh, I've had a few people ask me about Giannis's arms and the spots on his like shoulder areas um and I don't I don't know if it's average I don't know if anybody's actually mentioned it you'd better know better than I but um I assume it's just like, cupping uh this cupping yeah. therapy thing that, that Michael Phelps may have may have seen Michael Phelps did it uh and I think maybe some other swimmers did it during the, the last Olympics and I guess it's just this it's actually a very old thing it goes back to like eastern medicine and I'm not sure if there's really necessarily a lot of scientific evidence behind it but it's it's basically using applying like vacuums with cups to uh to the skin to try to i don't know i don't know, have some sort of effect on the muscles or something like that but i, I assume that's what Giannis uh, had it did not appear to be like a tattoo which some people ask about no. so anyway um i was gonna probably, say i've i've been obviously as i'm trying to figure out the new center i, I can kind of figure out when i can talk to people and how i can get to them um so i was gonna try to talk to suki in the next like week or so and just ask her about it a little bit um or troy flanagan and see if i could just see kind of what they were thinking and or maybe it's not even them maybe this is just something that Giannis not believes in i, I don't really know um, maybe he picked it up uh you know we were joking about him getting some special chinese therapy or whatever when he went to china after his knee injury uh who knows maybe it's some ra- some random thing he picked up there i don't know i think he listed six different countries that he had, he was in uh over the summer maybe he picked it up somewhere yeah i don't know um so i, I was going to try to ask around for that but yeah that it, that looks like cupping um and again i think the first time i ever saw it with athletes was phelps in the four by 100 uh sprint team uh from the, what is that the 2012 olympics 2008 what somewhere 16 right 2016 right yeah but i was thinking okay i guess was 16 the first time what either way but that was where yeah. I, I remember seeing it, just with swimmers and stuff like that um so yeah i would agree i got some questions on that but i don't I don't really know uh, that there's there's really anything anything well, more well, there. Um, big, big the big question I have is: Did you convince Chris Middleton to shoot more threes this year? I don't remember hearing anything about that, Eric. Did you blow it and not convince Chris Middleton to go just shoot a bunch of threes this year? Did you not use your incredible power in the media to do so? Oh man, I guess I didn't. I, I really should have hammered that home. Um, that's on me. Who's the goose right here, guys? That's on yeah. me. Um, I, I can I can take that. I'll wear it. Uh, other interesting stuff with them, Giannis, um, at, when he talked about his decision with Greece and kind of how all that went down, uh, we mentioned yesterday how there was a little bit of a difference between the way Giannis talked about it and a little bit of the way uh, that John Horst talked about it, but uh, again, I, I was just kind of going over my notes, and yeah, uh, I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine trying to make that decision if you're Giannis Dedekumbo. Uh, it, it would be a brutal one because I do think he desperately wants to play for Greece, um, but if you go through workouts and you can't plant and do the things that you need to do, well, uh, I don't, I can't imagine trying to play on it. Um, so I, I would assume he went back and forth on that decision and, um, that, that was maybe the most heartfelt thing, uh, we saw from him, um, as he, as he kind of went through the decision-making process and, and how all that went. So, um, I thought that was interesting. Um, I don't think the MVP stuff, like he was asked about Kobe's MVP tweet. I didn't think that was that interesting. Um, no, other, it was not. Uh, other than the fact that he was just like, there's never been an MVP without 50 plus wins. Well, except Russell Westbrook, he did that last year. Um, so he kind of understands that. And then maybe the, the number one, number two option stuff with Chris, but overall we talked about that a little bit last night. And, um, I think largely that's just a lot of guys kind of 
trying to talk about Giannis and or trying to talk about their teammate and Chris and, and how important he is. The only thing I thought was maybe a little bit interesting was Middleton saying that when I asked about that number two option, his quote was, my job is to make everything easier for Giannis and everybody else, whether that's to shoot, to pass, to rebound, to defend, or whatever. I don't worry about putting pressure on myself to score X amount of points or have X amount of assists. If I just play the game the way I know how to play, everything will take care of itself. And I, I say that's interesting just because I kind of – I had some pushback on Twitter when I said that I was intrigued by Chris Middleton this season uh, because a, a bunch of people said, well, we know what he is. Uh, like Even at his best, we know what he is. And I, I wonder, one, if we do – um, and two, kind of, is he going to be fully back from the hamstring? Obviously, um, I wouldn't say he was a step slow uh, in the playoffs in the second half of the season, but maybe a half step slow. It looked like there was just a little bit more that maybe Chris could have had, maybe a little bit more explosiveness. So um, I guess I, I just wonder, is is there, with him as the number two option and no Jabari to take other shots, um I just wonder with Giannis is the true number one, and I don't want to say it's peak Giannis yet, but alpha Giannis, let's say, um, and Chris as the number two guy. Is there a 20.4 rebound, four assist season in him? Because because if so, I, I think that's a step for him, and I think that's taking his game to another level that we haven't seen before, and I wonder if that's in him. Yeah, I mean, just shoot some more threes. I mean... You know, I, I don't think I think if you let go a couple more threes yeah. per game, uh, I don't think it's difficult at all to see him upping and hitting that magical, maybe not magical for us or in the grand scheme of things, but maybe magical for a lot of people, the 20 point mark. So um, I guess we'll see. All right. Who who else other than Giannis and Chris? Well, I don't even want to talk about Giannis's jokes. I mean, I enjoy that Giannis gets so much glee out of him, but I don't need to deconstruct his his bad <laughs> jokes. Um, so what what who who else did you find interesting? Um can we can we just can we just talk about quickly Penn and Teller? I mean Jet and and Tony <laughs> Snell, because uh, that was kind of a funny one, just because it involved Jet and they wisely paired Jet with the guy that. Well, I, I made Jabari maybe wants to talk even least even less than Tony, but I feel like Tony just by nature is quiet, whereas Jabari seems to just get more quiet or just get uncomfortable around the media. So um, I, I don't know. I, I thought that was kind of a, a funny combo uh, with Jet at times speaking for Tony Snow. <laughs> I, I was just going to mention that part. The the idea that Jet in his mind was just like, okay, I'm just going to talk for Tony. Um, I enjoyed that. And just kind of the, the gentle ribbing from Jet throughout the entire interview uh, about Tony where Jet would go on like a two-minute answer, and then he'd be like, oh, yeah, that's what you think too, right, Tony? And Tony would be unable to even say words before the next question was asked. So um, I did enjoy that. Um, but I, I I get Jason Terry is just fa- is totally fascinating to me. Uh, I am fascinated by Jason Terry because he, he, I just, I feel like, I feel like you're fascinated by too many things. I think you're underselling it. I think, I mean, Jason Terry is more than just Eric name fascinating, right? I mean, he's, he's one of the most enjoyable yeah. guys to, to hear talk. I'd say, and certainly, certainly, I mean, on the box, but, but even league wide, it's just kind of fun to see him just get started. And, and he just, you know, you just wind him up and, and he goes, um, although you did, <laughs> Your your big accomplishment, you did basically catch him off guard. You you said, hey, you made all these predictions last year that came true around the Giannis all defensive all other stuff, and he was kind of feeling swelling up with pride. And you said, what are your big predictions this year? And he was like, he was speechless. I don't has Jason Terry ever been left speechless before, or did Eric name just just stump Jason Terry for the first time? It, it was honestly uncomfortable because I've never asked Jason. Because you know, sometimes with some players, I'm aware that I'm gonna I could ask a question and get like a one or two word answer, and I need to be ready again. But when I asked Jason Terry a question and he didn't have an answer for me, I was like, "Oh, uh, oh, where am I? What is this? I don't know what's going on." Um, so yeah, that that was kind of fun. Um, and I guess the the stuff that I kind of love about Jason Terry, and I know I mentioned it last year. Uh, but Rob Mahoney's breakaway podcast where he kind of does 
NPR podcasty kind of stuff where it's just like a larger topic. And he did one about veterans and he did one about Jason Terry. And I just, I just found myself listening to that, trying to figure out what Jason Terry is going to do next with his life. And uh, again, this would have happened when he was in Houston, but he was interviewing for like coaching jobs while he was there. Um, And now last year he was talking about how he was in coaches meetings. And then this time around when I asked him, what does another year here in Milwaukee do for your future and what you're going to do next? He mentioned management or maybe broadcasting. And I don't know. I It's just cool to kind of see someone at the end of their basketball career, thinking about how they're going to stay involved in basketball in their next career. Because I, I don't think a, a ton of guys really truly get that opportunity I, I don't think you build up enough goodwill i don't think you're in the in the league long enough uh, i don't think there's many guys that have kind of had this chance um or maybe haven't been insane superstars that already have huge brands like kobe bryant like a, a guy that is a was at times a great basketball player and then a good basketball player throughout his career and now going into his 19th nba season it just got, to me. It's just kind of cool to watch him figure out what he's going to do next, progress as a person, progress in other roles. I'm just he's fascinating to me. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think the the most interesting thing Terry said was, you know, when he got pressed, and eventually he turned it around and asked you guys in the in media row what what your predictions were. But um, I thought the two things he pointed out as as sort of goals for the season. Um, and I think he also said like East, did he also say East finals, but expectations are already high from what we've put on ourselves. A big goal for us, Eastern conference finals, top five in defense, top five in assists. Yeah. So that was a level of specificity, especially with those two, the defense and, and assist numbers. Um, you know, I don't think Jason Terry walks around just making stuff up about what assist ranking the Bucks should have this year. So you'd guess that's something they've talked about. Um, and it was interesting cause I didn't know offhand where the bucks stood last year. So, I mean, I had to go look it up and they were fifth last year in assists. If you, um, adjust for pace, they were fourth in assists per game last year. So, um, you know, they were kind of all right there already. And, and to the extent that that, you know, reflects maybe their, the unselfishness they played with. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons why they were an above average offense last year, you could say, okay, we'll keep doing that. Um, and of course, probably the more interesting thing obviously is, is the defensive end and um, targeting a top five finish obviously is a huge jump for a team that was 19th in defensive efficiency last year. And uh, you know, we've talked ad nauseum about how important that is and the challenges of getting there. But likewise, the fact that they have the, I think personnel to, to be an elite defense and now it's up to them to, to actually make it happen on the court. And I would say he definitely; those were definitely things that were talked about. Because as I continue that quote, a big goal for us: Eastern Conference Finals, top five in defense, top five in assists. The next sentence is: We know those. We know those key stats mean we are going to win a lot of basketball games or have an opportunity to win. So th- those have to be things that they're, as a staff, as an organization, as a team putting on themselves that, hey, this is how we win basketball games. If we can be top five in defense, top five in assists, we can stay in these games. Um, so, yeah, I, I think those are definitely key stats that they circle. And and I would say key stats that you should circle is trying to find the best deals on tickets. If you go to SeatGeek, they do it for you. They have all the stats for you. They're going to tell you what's a good deal, what's a great deal, what's a bad deal. They have all of that all ready to go. All you have to do is go to the SeatGeek app, and it's going to find you the best tickets for any event. Like I mentioned before, we got NFL, NBA, MLB all going on around the same time. There's concerts. There's uh, comedians. There's everything that you could ever go want to see. Uh, Preseason basketball. I mentioned NBA, Frank. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. It, t- tickets are up to four bucks for this Mavericks uh, Bucks <laughs> opener. So, really, that market is heating up. It is. So get in now. I think that would be my my big uh, selling point here is go get it now. Go get those. Buy the Dallas Mavericks preseason tickets that Frank wants. Go get them right now. Uh, and make fun. more 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 relevantly bucks uh, and pacers at the bmo harris bradley center on october 4th 
Uh, tickets starting at six dollars. So uh, yeah, looks like looks like lower bowl still expensive. Season ticket holders still trying to hold out and get get their money back. <laughs> but I'm I'm skeptical. And actually, you can get into yeah, they've got they've got under thirty bucks in the lower bowl. So under twenty bucks in the lower bowl. I feel like a, an auctioneer here. But um, but yeah, so. Just, just keep watching SeatGeek. Uh, you will be able to get into that first preseason game very cheaply. And hell, hell, I mean, if you use that promo code, you can basically make money back. It, you, it's a chance to make money is basically what what it might, ends up being in, in the preseason because tickets are so cheap. And the easiest way to get that promo code is to download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, go to enter a promo code, enter promo code LONBA. Again, that's LONBA for Locked On NBA. And that will get you a $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase. So go out and do that today or do all those other wonderful things we talked about at SeatGeek. If you've already used it before, just keep using SeatGeek. That's the way to go about it. Uh, Frank, I think, Jet, that was interesting. Um, I tweeted it out tonight. Again, this is kind of crazy to say, but Tony Snell, I I thought, said something interesting. Which, again, I, I understand that, that that's not how these things normally go. And I'm sure that uh, during that, no one was really thinking, oh, man, you got to hear what Tony Snell said. Like That, that I, I can understand, is not going to be a feeling uh, many people would have. But I, I did think one thing that kind of stood out to me is obviously just the the role that Tony felt found for himself with the Bucks last year. Um, but when he was talking about signing the deal and being in Milwaukee, uh, the one thing that he mentioned was the fact that he said that playing with these guys makes me happy. And <laughs> I guess that's a simple thing to think about and something that you would just suspect like, oh, okay, he has a career year. I'm sure he's happy. But those are NBA players rarely talk to you about their emotions. Um, and again, happy is a very base, basic emotion and maybe it doesn't all mean all that much, but to hear an NBA player say, this makes me happy playing with these guys makes me happy. It was just kind of a, a weird thing to hear, but also something that, that I thought was kind of cool and something with Tony Snell that just seems like that's just a, a genuine dude being, happy that he found his spot in the NBA because not everyone finds their spot. Some guys search their whole career for a good role, a good opportunity, and Tony Snell got that here in Milwaukee. Yeah, it's a good story, and you hope it's one that continues because, you know, again, Tony Snell isn't a guy who is uh, going to just make a buy on you know, pure after pure pure talent. He's a guy who who has to work really hard, and that's obviously what he did last year. And, you know, I mean, I think he's, he's always obviously given effort. So um, good example for Probably some of these other guys that you know, and, and I don't know if we want to get into the uh, the the cast of the Expendables, which showed up, uh, who showed up all together uh, at one point, though the non-roster guys plus GP two. But um, you know, certainly interesting to to compare those guys with some of the other guys in the roster. Obviously, Tony Snell uh, is a guy who has graduated into a you know bona fide rotation player, role playing starter, um, and certainly other guys on this roster probably can look to Tony Snell, whether it's Rashad Vaughn or whether it's those guys fighting for a roster spot, uh, and maybe try to see how Tony did it and, and try to mimic some of the things he did. Yeah, I, I, uh, after we went through all of this, you told me that you were listening to the live stream and that the audio totally cut out when they brought all six guys up on the stage, which if there's something more fitting, I would struggle to think of what it could be at a media day. Um, But yeah, I do think it's just going to be interesting to see who comes out of that. Um, Because I I don't know if I really have, I, I guess I probably have favorites, probably Gerald Green or Brandon Rush would would to me appear to be uh, the favorites in that race for that final roster spot. But at the same time, I don't know if they've already talked to GP2 and said, hey, we like you a lot. We want to keep you around. We're going to decide to bring one of these veterans along and we want you to be our two-way, one of our two-way guys. I don't know if that same conversation has happened with James Young. Um so I think I think it's claimed that it hasn't, but you know, well, of course it hasn't. Um, so yeah, I think we're. I think Matt, I know Matt Velasquez. I think wrote today that like that has not been officially discussed, but 
you know, I'm sure that that's been a discussion point for the Bucks, whether it's officially a official yeah. During not. I asked James Young that yesterday um, while we're doing it, you wouldn't have heard because the audio cut out. <laughs> but I asked about that, and he was like, "Well, no, we haven't officially discussed it." And I was like, "Okay, well, that's fine." Um, so, it, by the way, so why don't we why don't we break down who these guys are? So, just real quick. Oh, so, just wait. We, I don't think we need to break it down because I've had what? people in my mentions asking me if I think X is going to make the team, if Y is going to make the team. I've had a lot of excitement about this, and I, I think everyone knows that these. People, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so okay. So, I guess in order here, we can and we can just I can say quickly like how these guys, whether these guys have any chance, and then how they might if the, you know what what options there are with them. Joel Anthony, I don't think has any chance of making the roster. I think um, they but, just want him around to be a big because they don't have a ton of bigs on the roster, and there's a bunch of garbage time during preseason games. Yeah. So here you go. And, and he's Canadian, so you know, pardon. You know, he's he's very polite. Um, I don't. <laughs> I I noticed there was not a Canadian flag hanging in the the. I, we need to come up with a better name for this this freighter and medical college of Wisconsin sports science whatever than than that. But uh, they have not raised a Canadian flag alongside all the other roster players from other countries' flags. Um, so Joel Anthony, thanks for for you know showing up. Here's your parting gift. Um, James Young, who. Uh, probably is a long shot to make the NBA roster, but is eligible. I, I, I had originally thought he was not eligible. You may recall um, a while ago I was reading the CBA FAQ. Apparently he is eligible for a two-way contract, I think a one-year two-way contract. Um, so that might be one way to keep him around. They do have two of those. Um, then there is uh, Brandon Rush, who... Uh, is not eligible for a two-way because he's been around forever. He's in his 30s. Uh, so could make the roster. Um, Gerald Green uh, also could make the roster. He's a little bit younger than Brandon Rush, probably the guy who has made the most impact the most recent in the most recently uh, in the playoffs last year for Boston. I guess Gerald, maybe Gerald Green is the favorite along with Brandon Rush, just yeah. because they can't get they can't get two ways, and you know they could be useful. Um, and then other than that, Kendall Marshall also there. Shout out to Kendall. Um, I was a fan of his when he was here the first time. Um, he's continued to put up good numbers in the D League. He averaged nine assists per game in the D League last year. He didn't play in the NBA at all last year. Um, and I, so I don't know. I mean, again, the Bucks do. They need some point guard options, but um, I again, am not a Kendall Marshall guy. Yeah, I know you're not a Kendall Marshall guy. So, um, so yeah, but I, I would say Kendall also similarly not a guy I'd expect to make it. And then um, GP two. So GP two along with James Young is eligible for a two way if he gets waived. Uh, and again, you know, like they don't; these guys might not necessarily want to take a two way contract. But I don't know. I mean, who who is who is GP two signing with for an NBA contract uh, anytime soon? I don't. I don't think Seems there's unlikely. anybody. Yeah. You know, maybe he can get a ten day that he could, could maybe par- parlay into a full full year deal, but. You know, again, is that better than getting 275k or whatever uh, on a two-way deal? I'm I'm actually not sure it is, especially given the Bucks don't have a lot of point guard depth. So, um, you know, you could actually have an opportunity to to make something of yourself. Did I miss anybody? Is that it? Rush? No, you got Gerald them all. Green, Julian? Okay, so that's the the cast, of the Expendables. Uh, it seemed kind of cruel that they all got thrown up together uh, on stage. I was not uh, pleased with it. Because yeah, I, it just seemed kind of awkward. I, and I told Matt Velasquez and I were talking about it before it happened because we could obviously see them assembling six chairs. Um, and I was like, oh, God, I, I can't ask anything because, I mean, the one question I want to ask is, uh, Gary, tell me why you're better than the guy on your right and just pass the microphone to your right when you're done. Um, and then let's just go around in a circle and everyone do that and then we'll reverse it the other way and then we should be able to take care of uh who's the best player here or we could have just put out five chairs and had six of them go for it and whoever fills the five and then take one away and just play a quick game of musical chairs and get it figured out there too could have done that um but either way it was awkward it was not i was not enjoying that experience because anything i would want to ask would essentially be asking each of those six guys to denigrate someone else on stage and say, I'm better than that person. Yeah. And it's kind of ironic, you know, that Gary Payton who does actually have, uh, you know, I did have an NBA contract, not just a training camp contract. 
um, that he had to be up there with those guys. But I'm I'm glad he was because again, like, well, why, why is Gary Payton? You know, why would Gary Payton be a lock to make the roster? Yeah. Obviously, he's not. So it'll be interesting. We'll see a lot more competition. And I I'm trying to think. I don't think I've seen like official word that any of the guys who are not uh, two way eligible have exhibit 10 contracts, which is like a new type of contract where, okay. And, and uh, this is all new to me as well, obviously with the, the, the new CBA and then also the bucks having the G league team. Now um, my understanding is so basically the bucks can offer contract training camp contracts where if they waive the guy, um, they can give him $50,000 if he signs a G league contract with the herd. I think that's the way it works, right? Is that is that your understanding too? <laughs> I think so. Some something like that, basically. So you could see the bottom line is even if uh, even aside from the two way guys, which you know again could be GP two, could be James Young, or could be neither of those guys. Um, some of these other guys could end up on the G League team in Washkosh if they decide to uh, go that route. Obviously, if they go play in Europe or something, they can do that too. Um, and then, yeah, so you may actually see them back uh, in the G League with the Bucks, even if they are not two-way players. So I don't know. I mean, personally, I don't know. Um, I'll take <sighs> Gerald Green. He seems to have some kind of whimsical, weird Beasley-esque qualities. Uh, plus, he's actually shoots threes and dunking is cool. So I'll take Gerald Green and uh, throw, throw GP2 and James Young those two ways and see if they take them. And th- that's my, like don't really care but here's my you know preference uh my really half-hearted preference for for what the bucks do i don't know if you want if you care to chime in but no uh, i think i've been getting asked yeah i think that's about right um i think that would probably be the way to play it out bring those two guys on for two ways and then i think you're pretty much picking between green and rush um ultimately though i would just like to say to the people asking what the bucks should do could this person help no, no, <laughs> uh, no. Um, maybe in some far off world, it, it does happen, and Brendan Rush or Gerald Green becomes a rotation player. I think that's extremely unlikely, and I do not foresee that happening uh, this upcoming season. And again, maybe this will someday get cut up and be put into uh, a Tatonia World video of me making a terrible prediction. That could happen. Um, but I don't see it, uh, so <laughs> just just keep that in mind, everyone. All right, let's uh, let's try to go quick hitters the rest of the way, Frank. Uh, Mirza Toledovich and John Henson sharing the stage was uh, wildly enjoyable because it's two guys that underperformed last year, um, and two guys that I think Bucks fans spent most of the summer uh, creating fake trades to get out of Milwaukee. Um, so. That was that was kind of wonderful and strange, um, and I, I, I don't. It was it was just a weird weird kind of five minutes. Yeah, the I, I think the only thing that I had a reaction to, and I know we talked about it right afterwards, was um, when Mirza Toledovic made some. I, I think you you asked him about you know him saying that his second year in a place is usually stronger than his first or something like that. Yeah. And um, he started talking about needing to learn the system, et cetera, et cetera. And then we both immediately <laughs> looked at each other when we were when we were talking about this and we're like, wait a minute. Didn't Mirza show up last year and say like, oh, we, we since we played for Jason Kidd, I already know the system and I can help <laughs> these young guys figure it out. Yeah. OK, we may be we may still be citizens of the Toledovich archipelago, but I, I'm calling I'm calling bullshit on that one. So. <laughs> yeah, I I guess the. The reason I went back, I went for a second question there, and a follow-up was like, I know Mirza told me this last year. Like, I know for a fact he said, you know, there's not going to be much of an adjustment period. I'm ready to go because I've ran this defense before. I know what's going on. And then all of a sudden to hear that from him this year was um, wonderful. And just kind of... <laughs> is that the word? I, I mean, yeah, it was delightful. Because uh, just like just straight up loud of my face. Like, I, okay, that's fine. Um, I, I always take a little bit of joy in those in those situations. Um, Thon and Greg together. Okay, so obviously I'm a major proponent of Brog Row. Obviously we've talked about that many times last year. 
during the playoffs, I asked both Greg and Thon if either of them had ideas for a fire and ice, thunder and lightning, uh, cheesy nickname combo. We need to think of something for them because I, I do think largely this year that's what it's going to be. It's going to be what we saw in the postseason where it's Greg and Thon, and maybe if one of them gets in foul trouble, John mops up those minutes, but it's going to be those two. And I feel like it, we're doing the world a disservice if, one, we don't come up with a nickname, and two, the Bucks promo, the promotional staff doesn't make them take a cheesy 80s poster together with that crappy nickname. Yeah, I mean, Moose has such a good nickname, um, but I don't know what, what the equivalent is for, for Thon. Um, and by the way, I, I, uh, I forget where it was. I heard a number of, uh, I think it was listening to like Howard Beck's podcast or somebody, um, and some somebody referred to Thon's last name as as Macare, which you know last year was was talked about. I think in the Howard Beck story as being mm-hmm. like really the way his last name should be pronounced. And Thon doesn't seem to actually like care, and he hasn't like I don't think it's ever gotten in the media guide to be pronounced that way. So I just continue to call him Maker and whatever. I don't care that much either way. But um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. We we don't have a good like animal nickname. I don't know if we need to get. Um, uh, sugar bread on our man, sugar bread on that, <laughs> Jonathan Zuckerbrod, and figure out uh, what you know. Thon's, I know, I think we were once asked, I think he once asked us what Thon's spirit animal should be, and I don't remember what the answer oh, yeah. was. No, I um, should get back to him on that. I, but I'll we, do that next time I see him. Yeah, we need to, we need to like have it be something with an M so we can do like moose, the moose and the something. And I just don't know, I just don't know what that is. So tweet at us and let us know what, what, uh, what that, that fire and ice, thunder and lightning. Uh, nickname should be. I would say that was obviously Jet is always going to be an enjoyable experience. I think those two playing off each other might have been the most fun uh, interview of the entire day because Greg's facial expressions are priceless. Um, When Thon says something ridiculous, he makes sure everyone knows that he thought it was ridiculous. Uh, so, yeah, I enjoy those two. Uh, and that was a fun one. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Malcolm. It was, I mean, it's it's nice that Greg Monroe didn't have to be, have, have the awkwardness of the whole <laughs> you asking him about coming off the bench when he thought he was still starting a year ago. So yeah. that that was one nice thing about this year, that uh, things are, are at least steady and everybody kind of knows, in theory, it seems, their role. So, yeah. Yeah, that was nice. Um, up next, uh, Malcolm and Jabari. Uh, a little bit of an odd couple there as well. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I didn't think it, it was the it was the like socially conscious, clean yeah. cut ACC guy combo or something. Yeah, and obviously uh, both of them were asked about President Trump and uh, his recent comments on athletes and how they should act on the sidelines. Um, I've tweeted out both of their kind of full answers in that. Um, The one thing I thought was interesting is Jabari kind of gets the attention for all of that, and obviously he was one of the the first athletes in a professional sport to speak out about Trump uh, when the Bucks decided to stop staying at Trump hotels at the start of last season. But as I was thinking about it, I thought Malcolm Brogdon had some of the strongest words of the offseason uh, about President Trump. Uh, obviously, as a UVA alum, he had a lot of thoughts on Charlottesville when all of that happened as well. Um, so I thought it was interesting that as we went through it, people kept asking Jabari about his thoughts on it. And I was like, well, Malcolm has explained all of this eloquently before. Like he's talked about this many times. Like we should, we should get his thoughts as well. But yeah, that was kind of the socially conscious 10 minutes of, of the day where we, we really dove into all of that. Yeah. And thought, or sorry, uh, Jabari, you know, as we said yesterday, didn't have that much interest in being forthcoming about how he's, how his knee is doing, but you know, I don't know. I mean, did we learn anything about that? We didn't know about Jabari's knee and his rehab. I, I don't know if we did. <laughs> uh, I, I do have to say, I enjoyed asking Jabari, how are you feeling? He said, eh, good. And <laughs> 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 I thought that was a great start to uh, our, our talk with Jabari yesterday. 
um, he seemed to enjoy that as well. So I, I thought that was good. Um, I was hoping to hear something from Malcolm about trying to shoot his threes quicker. Um, I did not hear anything about his. Just wait, who's the musket and who's the... They're Deli, I just put Deli and Brogdon together with okay. their revolution, Revolutionary War muskets. Yep. Okay, I wasn't sure if there was a difference there because I think Deli's probably takes a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, I, we didn't hear anything about that. I don't know if we necessarily learned anything from either of those two, right? No, not necessarily. I mean, you know, I think all the... Uh, well, I'll be curious to see the what sort of the Trump reaction stuff and... Um, and, and that kind of stuff, how that evolves kind of over the next couple of weeks. Cause I think at this point, like I've seen so many athletes react and it's almost just like I, Bradley Beal had maybe one of the best reactions. I mean, he was just like, uh, what do you want me to say? This dude's a clown. Like, it's just like, almost like they don't even like guys don't even like know how to react. It's kind of like, you know, we're being called out and Steph Curry's being disinvited and it's just like, I don't, you know, it, it, yeah so that's that's uh, that's a, a whole separate conversation um i think it's pretty clear where the bucks come out on that and i i think ownership it, it, to the t supports them in that and i guess we'll just have to see if that if there's any kind of upshot for that sort of uh, going into the season you know obviously uh, la- even last year there was obviously questions around you know they're going to do stuff during the anthem and you know there there were sort of some some different things done but nothing that you know upset anybody let's say so i don't know we'll see if uh, anything changes as we go into the season yeah um i'm trying to think who we talked to delhi individually um not much there other than just being I, I kind of asked him to go back to after the season. I remember the day after the season he said that he was kind of disappointed in his first year um, and he wanted to get better but I don't think I really learned anything because Delhi is masterful at speaking in cliches. I don't know I don't know if that's what he's been like his whole life, but maybe that was the Cleveland effect where he just had so many media sessions and had to talk about stuff so often that he just doesn't really ever speak in anything but cliches, which is probably perfect for his gritty personality. Um, but <laughs> it, 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 I don't really think there's anything remarkable there. Um, I'm trying to anybody else. Oh, we have Rashad yet. Is there anyone other than Rashad? Because I, I do want to talk about Rashad a little bit because I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, let's let's talk about Rashad. I mean, I thought it was funny to see Rashad up there by himself, save for a. Uh, a uh, brief interlude from Giannis to tell another bad joke. Um, but it was interesting. We're shot up there by themselves after the um, group of six expendable guys all had to come up and share the stage together. Uh, it, it was interesting. We're shot Vaughn who, really isn't that far from those guys in terms no. of uh, on-court contributions. You can certainly make an argument that a number of players that uh, don't have guaranteed contracts have, you know, certainly last year accomplished more than, than Rashad did. But, you know, again, Rashad does have a guaranteed contract um, and they have to make a decision on his team option for his fourth year uh, coming up here. So, yeah, it was kind of interesting. I mean, it, and I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that was if, if, if that was lost on him, but it was interesting because he seemed to be pretty forthright about his struggles and what he's had to improve on. And um, yeah, I mean, it's year three of the Rashad Vaughn experience and I guess we'll see if he finally is able to make the strides necessary to convince, I guess not really, not, it's not so much us he has to convince, but, but whether he can convince the bucks that he is indeed a, a long-term NBA player that's worth keeping around. And I guess it, it was nice to hear what I thought were honest answers and an honest appraisal of, the work he's done thus far in the NBA. Um, I think oftentimes when you ask those questions, you'll you'll get some cliches, you'll get some, uh, I don't want to say disillusioned answers, but obviously there's a level of confidence that goes along with being an NBA player. And it just seemed really honest to me that when I asked about what he needs to do and what he was working on, it was off-ball stuff it was being able to catch and shoot being able to knock down that shot and that that wasn't that wasn't something i put in his mind my question did not prime him to say yeah i need to start knocking down shots that's what we all think that if you want to have a job you need to catch and shoot threes and knock those threes down and that was kind of the first words out of his mouth and um the other thing i asked too that i thought he was very honest about was the idea that 
Jason Kidd's probably going to give you a chance. He, he he likes to try to keep guys in the rotation. He likes to try to give guys chances. And I asked about, do you feel that pressure that you don't get all that many chances, that when you do get a chance, you have to play really well so that you get to play the next game? And he was like, yeah, <laughs> that that is how I feel. I think there are times where I've put too much pressure on myself to do that in those games. So, um, I don't know. I just thought it was a really honest five to ten minutes, and I would rarely call any five to ten minutes in media day honest. Yeah, I agree. Um, I guess just looking to wrap up, I don't know if I heard anything from either of the rookies, Sterling Brown and DJ Wilson, that is particularly notable. DJ, DJ Wilson seems both thoughtful and also kind of just like super indifferent in a lot of these media settings. Um you know, uh, I don't know. He, he, I think you asked him about his short shorts. He kind of chuckled a little bit and then didn't really say anything. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then I, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> I think you asked, uh, you asked Sterling Brown, you know, saying, Hey, you, you, you're coming from a system at SMU where there's a lot of versatility and, you know, guys who sort of do everything and he kind of perked up and seemed to appreciate that. But then when asked about defense and the type of defense, the bucks play, he just sort of then was like, yeah, I, play, I like to play defense, so I think I should be fine. <laughs> and I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> those those two responses weren't the exact same. Uh, yeah, I would agree. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, it's media day. If if big news breaks, I don't know if that's a good thing uh, for a media day. You know, I think speaking uh, from experience last year, it is not a good thing. Yeah, like, yeah, no news is good news. Uh, media day, and um, you know, it was good to have, you know, Chris Middleton. Uh, not with the torn hamstring. Uh, obviously, wish we could say Jabari was healthy, but that's the the one downside of uh, of this training camp for the Bucks coming in. But otherwise, um, you know, hope springs eternal, and uh, we'll start to see it, I guess, on Monday, uh, October second, uh, in those in front of people who paid four dollars for tickets in Dallas. <laughs> I I suppose so, Frank. Uh, tonight's episode, of, or I guess today's episode. I always. You know what? I'm curious what people think of that. If you have thoughts on me saying today or tonight, let me know. Because none of you get to listen to this as we do it live. So it's almost, I would assume, almost always today's. Whatever. Let me know how you feel about it because I'm very curious about it. Today's episode of Lockdown Bucks was brought to you by SeatGeek. Our promo code at SeatGeek is L-O-N-B-A. Again, that's L-O-N-B-A for Lockdown NBA. That'll get you a $20 rebate off your first seat geek purchase big shout out to them for always hanging out with us sticking with us and supporting us through all of this and as we enter our second season that was frank man i'm eric name this has been locked on bucks we'll talk to you later is that the new iphone yeah got it on t-mobile fastest iphone deserves america's fastest lte network Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.